0: Hey guys, uh, this is Bailey. And this is Katie. And we
1: got a little too excited about the beginning of this episode. So uh, we just want to, this is us editing, and we just want to jump back in and, and warn you that as always, there are going to be spoilers. We go full in
0: on the entire happenings of the TV show, pretty much from the get go. So if you
1: haven't watched and don't want to be spoiled, turn us off, but come back. Yeah, definitely watch the entire show and then come back, because um, it's going to be worth it. Thanks. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. glasses I'm Bailey. And I'm Katie. Welcome to Prose Tinted Glasses. Today, we are so, so excited to talk to you about the Shadow and Bone TV series on Netflix. We binged watched it in one day together, and
0: we had so many thoughts. We took notes throughout the series, just handing a notebook back and forth.
1: Yeah, it was um, it was intense. It was very fun. We were very lucky that Bailey was already fully vaccinated, so she flew down to hang out with me, and we just sat on my couch for eight straight hours and watched the show.
0: Ordered tacos and watched the show. It was
1: wonderful. It was honestly a dream of a weekend. Um, Staring at Ben Barnes, eating tacos, all I need. (laughs) Really, that's just my ideal state of being.
0: (laughs) Other than Ben Barnes, there were a lot of things we liked about the show. I thought it overall... Great adaptation from Netflix, we do have a few things that maybe we like didn't like or that were completely unnecessary, but generally phenomenal adaptation
1: Mhm, yeah, um, and I think Bailey and I are are big sticklers for adaptations, maybe even Bailey more than me um but I think the show did a really good job of staying. True to the source material, improving it um, where that was possible, (laughs) Mal. Um, And uh, I mean, even though they had to add all this stuff for the Crows to do, I think it worked really well. It fit really well in the tone of the show. I'm very impressed by the adaptation. Yes, I think the
0: prequel part of the Crows storyline was something I was very concerned about going into the show and coming out of it very impressed with the fact that it did seem to fit very well into the way the story and it felt like the characters were pretty
1: good to who they are Hmm. yeah agreed i think a lot of people have made notes of how the crows have a lot of room to grow into who they were in the six of crows duology um but still had a lot of that foundational character work. Like, I think that Kaz was clearly not as scary as he turns out to be in the books, but I think there's an argument to be made for him to be starting from this point and then growing into that. So I'm excited to see uh, how it continues to evolve.
0: Yes, absolutely. That was one of the biggest criticisms I feel was floating around the weekend the show premiered, was that Kaz wasn't ruthless enough, but... He didn't just get that ruthless for no reason, that cold. Um, So I think it'll be great to see how they build on that character and how they continue to build on Kaz and Inej Mm -hmm. going going together because that was a little more heavy handed than I expected for a prequel story.
1: Yes, I agree. I think it was very clear their little, um, the way that they had feelings for each other as opposed to... I mean, even in the book, it's like from anyone else's point of view, Kaz is just this ruthless asshole until you get into Kaz's point of view where like basically all he can think about is how much he loves Inej, but he's still deeply repressed. And I think that was much more evident from like a third person point of view in the show.
0: Which I think they have to do in order to tell the story properly is to make it a little more obvious outside looking in since we don't get Kaz's inner monologue in the show. Mm-hmm. It it will work out, I'm sure. And Amita obviously played Inej so well. The glances, the facial expressions. Um, I particularly loved the sound effect every time she whooshed in and out of a scene. That I was really, just such a nice touch. I would laugh every time, and it wasn't appropriate to laugh in 90% <laughs> of those scenes,
1: but she would just like... Whoosh, And I'd be like, yes! Yes. Um, Big fans of of pretty much all the cast. Freddie Carter did a great job as Kaz. Amita was incredible as an edge. Kit Young, I think, stole all of our hearts as Jesper. Kit and the goat. I mean, really. Yeah. Justice for Milo. Bring him back. Seven of Crows, IMO. (laughs) Some flow off the tongue as well, but I'll go with it. (laughs) Milo's the newest
0: crow. I think we're all aware of that. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Ben
0: Barnes, I feel really added to the Darklings character. Obviously, we do get humanization at the end and with Demon in the Woods. But mm -hmm. the way Ben Barnes was able to portray him brought a lot of that more to the forefront in the Netflix show, which I think is good because now we actually see more of why everyone follows him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely got that charisma. And it's just hard not to root for Ben Barnes, which I think is ideal for someone for a character like the Darkling, because obviously he's bad and you're not supposed to like him. But you also are supposed to like him because everybody in universe sort of falls for what he's doing. Um, So I think Ben Barnes does a really good job of walking that like charismatic, menacing tightrope. And boy, do I like looking at him. Yes,
0: excellent. Other actors that really put a lot into their character, uh, Archie playing Mal just absolutely blew it out of the water. I knew going in that Archie would probably make me like Mal, and he sure did. Mal's character got so much more depth in it in this portrayal in the adaptation than he did in the books, and that is awesome. I think they were a little heavy-handed with the their lovers since they were children thing, but I can see where that was needed to fill in some of the blanks we don't get from getting the whole storyline.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots and lots of credit to Archie for making Mal likable. I also want to just note that they... I mean, they rewrote Mal. He He's not the same character. I'm sorry to people who liked Mal in the books, but even the scene um where mal and lena are on the run and they're in the woods and alina starts to sort of explain why she called the darkling alexander and mal goes you don't owe me an explanation and that's very not that's not how book mal reacted book mal was um, book mal would have been
0: like walked away before alina could offer the explanation because he would have decided the story in his own head and been annoyed about it and left
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so i think that they just did everything they could to make mal likable and they succeeded so good for them
0: they also made alina more of a character which was needed the sass the snark i i loved it it worked
1: so well Mm -hmm. alina was incredible and all the credit goes to our she they queen jesse may lee who just was fantastic i mean um all of the sass and the snark and you could just see all of those emotions that I think were missing from the book. Um in our girl yes. Jessie. The
0: oh, so no pressure. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Yes. That's that is what was missing in the narration from the books was that sort of Alina having her own say in anything, even as she was being shunted around and used as a political pawn um, Mm -hmm. she would have still had that's what we uh, that's what we discussed in our first episode about the original trilogy was that Alina did not have any response or agency at all and in the show she did have a response she had less she still had some agency even though clearly the storyline doesn't allow her to have the agency that she truly would need to be
1: able to change what's happening but again Jesse killed her. I mean I think that they did as much as they could to give her more agency though even down to when she and the darkling kiss it's uh, she kisses him. Um she doesn't wait for him to seduce her. She's like I've got a crush on this hot guy and I'm going to kiss him. And I think uh I think I saw gosh I'm not going to be be able to remember where I saw this but there was a TikTok if I find it I'll um like put it in show notes or whatever but they talk about how when Alina kisses the darkling he's like leaning back and so they're kind of at an eye level and so it gives you this impression of them being on equal footing and then um the tiktok i saw said that this was ben barnes's idea so if if true i love him even more but then immediately after she kisses him he stands up to his full height and then they're on very uneven footing um and that just represents the power dynamic and i just think that that was such a cool and interesting visual way to portray that. But it was giving Alina the agency in that scene, at least at first. Right. She was able to choose to do
0: some things on her own, but given the, the plot, she obviously couldn't choose everything. She did, however, choose to get stolen by the crows, which I loved.
1: Um, that, was, that She just I-
0: climbed in.
1: <laughs> Watching Jester's face in that scene, I... Don't think I've ever been more delighted in my life than watching Jesper watch Alina climb into their carriage. I mean, that boy had a great episode. Yep. Um, didn't do his job. Got laid. She kidnapped herself. Meanwhile, Inej and Kaz are inside, like, fighting for their lives. <laughs> Jesper's just outside, like, man, I
0: miss Milo. Oh, hey, shit. Cool. <laughs> oh, it Phenomenal. was so good. Phenomenal episode. Um, uh, Kit Young does really play that <laughs> role of Jesper that lighthearted, uh, always always-got-a-quip sort of character very well and I just thought everything about that worked and I loved it.
1: Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Um, Other casting. Oh, I Nina. Mean, yeah, Nina and Matthias. First of all, let's just Briefly detour to Matthias, who is a perfect specimen of a man. Callahan Skogman, is that it? Is that his name? We did actually play the fur scene back
0: for our friend later that night. (laughs) Like, we binged this eight episode Netflix show. It was very good. Here's the one important part. This man puts on furs and nothing else. Okay, just watch (laughs) with us.
1: It was very nice. Um, and then Nina. I loved Nina. I thought she was a lot like the Nina I had in my head in terms of personality. Um, there, The first couple episodes, I was a little worried because she was a little bit more subdued. But I was like, I know this is because she's literally kidnapped and, you know, like starving and in the hull of a ship. So I'm going to give it some time. And then once they were out, she really flourished into the sassy, flirty funny Nina that I adore I think Danny did an excellent
0: job of getting that flirty mode down and showing us that Nina is sort of turning it off and on when she wants to use it and when she's being serious Mm -hmm. I do wish we had gotten more of Nina and Matthias I I know it's coming but
1: I felt like their clips were too short for me I needed more of them Yeah, I've really been enjoying this trend on TikTok. People have been basically voicing over the scenes with the lines from the book. And so many of the scenes, particularly the Nina and Mattia scenes, are literally word for word out of the book, especially the one where they're um, trudging through the snow. And Nina's like, you're afraid to like me. And all of that dialogue is just verbatim out of the book, which is just really impressive and incredible for an adaptation.
0: Yes, I do believe burly squid is from the book. Um, And that is my favorite line from
1: the entire series. So, yeah, it was very good. Um, I feel like we should at least touch on there's been a lot of discourse regarding Nina's casting in terms of body type. Um, And I want to say to people who felt she was even more plus size in the books and really were looking for that representation um, I definitely don't want to speak over anyone that feels badly about it. Uh, she was pretty much how I had pictured her. And I've seen a bunch of um, like mid-sized girls be really excited about seeing their body type. Because usually they're too fat to play the skinny girls and too skinny to play the fat girls. So, you know, I know there's a lot of stuff going on in the disc course about her. And I definitely don't want to... Um, Speak over or criticize anyone for having feelings about it but i do think that danny as an actress did a great job she did and i don't think that a lot of
0: she did and a lot of this discourse has centered around people actually talking directly to the actress about how her size isn't what they pictured for this role and as a as a fan of something you can't come for actresses about their bodies like that.
1: Yeah, that any anybody taking their complaints directly to Danielle Gallagher, that's unacceptable. Um, But people having feelings about it is valid. Correct. Are you allowed to be upset that what you thought was representation
0: did not end up being the representation you had hoped for? Yes. Is that directly Danny's fault, and does she deserve to be attacked for that? Absolutely not. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, completely agreed. Um, but I, I love the way that she brought Nina to life. I do too. And I'm very excited to see all the more
0: things that come for Nina's character. Mm -hmm. Assuming we get additional seasons, which based on the, uh, internet feedback I've been seeing, there's a pretty good chance this gets renewed. It seemed very popular.
1: Yeah, I hope so. It was, um, number one for like the last week or so actually um i saw someone tweet about how this second weekend's really important so i've been putting it on mute on my laptop while i do other things just to bump the ratings up so i'm doing my part
0: i'm doing my part and that i got my roommate to read and watch it all this weekend don't mind me just sliding six of crows across the couch read
1: it, <laughs> read it. do it Cool. So that was just kind of, like, our overall impressions of, like, casting. Um, And we have sort of briefly mentioned uh, the combination of the timelines from Six of Crows and, of course, the original trilogy. I think that they did a really good job of bringing the Crows into it, giving them interesting things to do. I love that we got a little bit of, like, crossover action. There was that scene with Kaz and the Darkling in an alley that... Was my everything. I am a little disappointed Kaz was so close to hitting him with the cane. And that would have made my entire life. Um, but I I really enjoyed it.
0: We were dying when that happened. And I think a couple seconds before the confrontation actually occurred, I said, oh, my God, they're going to meet. It's the two <laughs> of them together. What are we going to do? And then they it actually it was a confrontation. And just mind blown. Amazing. Here for it. Also wish the cane thing would have happened, but, you know, mm-hmm. we'll live, I guess.
1: Kaz gets yeah. to hit enough people
0: with his cane.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I was just grinning from ear to ear that entire sequence of events. Um, I also really liked the the fake out in the first couple of episodes where it seemed like everything was happening at the same time, but then it turned out um, that the crows were two weeks behind because Alina had already become the Sun sun Summoner. I think that that was a great little fake out that was a good way to keep us guessing for that first chunk of the story. Yes, I fell
0: for it. I didn't know how combining this pre-story would work, and I think they pulled it off um, in a way that worked pretty well, and we did get to see the crossover action, which is everything that we needed. We got to see Inej see her saint really because mm-hmm. as you know from reading six of crows she names her blade sang to alina and she finally actually got to see her and interact with her i thought that was great and then
1: alina actually giving an edge the blade and an edge is like i know exactly what i'll name it it's fine i'm, Both cool. I'm emotional it's fine I, it was wonderful
0: i also love that they still managed to highlight the individual aspects that the crows we got to see bring to to the um to the gang. That's mm-hmm. the word. I love that we got to see what each individual crow kind of brings to the gang. Uh which is, you know, Kaz's scheming, Aneja's abilities as the Wraith, uh, Jesper looking good, and that was great. Uh, we'll get to see more of Nina and Matthias soon. And then
1: Wylan, hopefully. <laughs> uh, I saw somewhere that the showrunner did confirm that the bomb that Kaz uses to get away from the Darkling um, was made by Wylan. So yes. we, got, we got a little hint of him. And I'm sure there's more to come soon.
0: Yes. And uh, the only other person I was really missing was Nikolai.
1: Oh, my my husband all of our husbands
0: we cannot wait for him to be cast in the hopes that we get to see more of his storyline especially Mm -hmm. coming off reading uh rule of wolves so recently yeah
1: we're just like we need more nikolai and speaking of nikolai and rule of wolves um i feel like we didn't touch on zoya at all and i um did not like her in the show and neither did i Which to be fair, we did
0: not like Zoya in the original trilogy either, but we don't like Zoya in the show for completely different reasons.
1: Mhm. Yeah, I mean, she's not meant to be likable in the trilogy, I don't think. But she's still um in the books she was like sassy and vicious and she had this confidence that um, you know, she was a mean girl because she had earned it and earned her place. Um, at the Darkling's right hand or whatever. Which, by the way, side note, I don't like the implication that they had been sleeping together in the show. Don't feel like that was in the books, and it it icked me pretty good. They replaced Mal and Zoya having a past with Zoya
0: and the Darkling having a past, and I just, I'm not sure what led to that decision, and I don't Mm -hmm. like it.
1: Yeah, um, but back to Zoya, she, when we first meet her, she was too nice to mal you know i'd expect her to be like flirty nice slash like teasing nice but she was kind of just nice to him at first which was weird i didn't really realize it was zoya at first because it was so
0: oh that's just a nice grisha like what
1: yeah i I would expect her interaction with mal to be more like you should be so lucky to get the opportunity to flirt with me because I'm the shit. And instead it was just like, Oh, you want, you want to take some grapes? I don't know. There's a difference
0: between her sort of earned confidence flirting and just like flirt, like nice flirting. And I think they took the wrong direction with that. And there's a few other scenes where it felt like the sassy, quick with the insult, Zoya wasn't there.
1: hmm And even, like, the scene where she and Alina spar, that was, like, pretty good, but then we never get any sort of lead-up to it, and we never get any sort of follow-up, which brings me to another big problem that I have with the adaptation as a whole, which is they just sort of ignored the aspect of life at the little palace. We didn't really get to see Alina's training montages or, you know, the repetitiveness of classes, basically, at the Little Palace with with Bagra and um, who's the other guy? The combat guy.
0: I can't remember his name right now.
1: Bodkin. Bodkin. Yes. The closest we got to
0: a montage was Bagra hitting Alina with Hurricane. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, great. But I always felt the impression was that was one session. And I don't think it did a good job of portraying any passage of time. Mm -hmm. And as you said, the combat scene with Zoya felt like the attempt to increase their, like, the fact that they're enemies, except I didn't believe it. And there was none of the other buildup of tension, say, in the scene where they're in the dining hall and Zoya is a mean girl to her. And that sort of thing. Uh, It seems like Alina almost immediately had a whole bunch of Grisha friends in the palace. And Mm -hmm. it took away the sort of isolation that led to the Darkling being able to continue to draw her in.
1: Yeah. And also, I don't feel like the, the seriousness with which people took learning to fight without their Grisha powers... Um, at the little palace you know I feel like they kind of you know they derided Zoya for using her powers in that sparring session but I I don't feel like it was it came across as serious as it was in the book like you didn't do that especially in training and because you needed to be able to fight without your powers and right I didn't and see any of that instead it felt more like they were saying
0: oh it was unfair of you to use your powers because Alina wasn't using her powers versus this is against the whole idea of this part of training.
1: Mm-hmm. I did like the tidbit about Mal having taught Alina to fight. I thought that was very cute. I definitely appreciated that as well. If we were going to
0: go all in on the fact that they were um, a childhood lover couple, then like that was a great part of the scene. And mm-hmm. I felt it added to their both their characterization and their relationship on screen to have those mm-hmm. little moments together.
1: Um, also at the little palace with the Grisha, things like the different Grisha orders being very separated did not come across. There was that weird triangular banquet table where each color was on a side, but I don't feel like that really um, was emblematic of the way how in the book, you just really didn't associate with people outside of your own Grisha order. Right. we.
0: I think we both pictured more of like cafeteria style tables and less mm-hmm. of a formal dining room. But even still, I pictured entirely separate tables where you wouldn't be looking across at someone from a different order. Although it's hard to look across at a different order when you have such a funny taster in front of you, which was a <laughs> wonderful addition to the TV show, in my opinion.
1: Agreed. I That part was so delightful when he was like, I got really excited when the last taster died. And then you see him like the embarrassment wash over his face. <laughs> <laughs> great scene. Great little touch of world building.
0: Absolutely mm-hmm. here for it. But it it wasn't until I went back and thought about that scene that I realized the purpose of the triangular table. And I don't think it worked the way I wanted it to.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was much less um, clicky and more just like, this is your seat at the formal dining table where we all are in a triangle. And you there's know, only I- seven of us yeah all the Grisha and the order um so yeah I think that there are places like adding the cute little side characters like the taster and things like where um when Alina said can we stop my tailbone hurts yes uh oh, that was the most characterful thing Alina ever did um but I just think the the world building in the show is very mixed. It's full of, like, really great additions, like the side characters, and things like having all of this lore for the Sun Summoner, and, you know, even Moritz sort over of Stag has a lot more lore. And then there are a bunch of pieces of world building that I thought were really good and carefully constructed in the books that were just kind of glossed over um, as almost like Easter eggs for people that read the books. Things like... Um, life at the little palace and things like uh, Grisha getting healthier the more they use their powers. Things that were like sort of touched on but then just left alone and not expanded upon like they were in the books. I did ask a friend who has not read the books but watched the show
0: about the Grisha needing to use their powers to look healthier, etc. And she said that she did pick up on some of the lines about Alina being hungrier or looking healthier now and being sickly as a child. Um, But she didn't necessarily connect it with the Grisha powers because it wasn't ever explicitly explained and not that everything should be explicitly explained, but it wasn't connected in a strong enough way for non book readers to pick up on it. It was more like Katie said, an Easter egg. Mm -hmm. So it, there were some parts, and I also feel like in general with um, not necessarily just world building, but also scenery in the in the show, there were some very awesome scenes of Ravka and the <laughs> fold. And then with Ketterdam and the barrel, I felt like we got only crowded alleyways. That was it. We did not get a lot of the... Experience of walking down the streets like I thought we would, where you pass all these gambling dens and these uh in- pleasure houses and all of that, and bright colors and busy and hawkers on the street canals at all.
1: Yeah, agreed completely. And I think some of that we can maybe forgive to them. Um, just basically trying to set up the crows to come to Ravka, and hopefully, we'll get much better shots of Ketterdam and the barrel in future seasons but I do think that they could have gone a little bit harder in building that world out because I know that's a part I was really excited to to see come to life. Same it felt I don't want to say an afterthought
0: obviously because I do think they did a wonderful job of integrating the Ketterdam storyline into the Ravka storyline and just Felt that they didn't think it was as important to build the lore of Ketterdam as they did the lore of Ravka.
1: hmm I
0: did love the costuming though.
1: Yeah, oh my gosh. It was really good. Keftas were gorgeous. Um Kaz and his little hats was really fun. <laughs> I I loved all the little hats. Uh Jesper's outfits, well not
0: quite as colorful as I pictured. He did have a few where he went through and he was, you know, looking at himself in the mirror. And those looked good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, The costuming was extremely good. The differentiation in colors on the different keftas was awesome.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Very much liked that. Oh, one thing (laughs) that neither Katie nor I could quite figure out
1: how we felt about in the show is that there were other kids at the orphanage yeah oh my gosh I honestly when I read the trilogy I literally thought that Mal and Alina were the only kids at the orphanage which or maybe like a handful like I thought there was this rich Duke Crimson, and he sponsored like a handful of kids a year or something like that but it was like a full-on full orphanage in the show
0: 100% also just thought it was like a few kids and they were best friends and they did everything together and so there might have been two other kids there maybe but we never saw them because they weren't important and then in the show there's just all these kids running around and every
1: flashback scene to the orphanage we're like who are these people Mm -hmm. also mal was the one getting picked on which is not what i would have imagined no i
0: it's very interesting that they made this character as the like one getting picked on and then he goes on to become this big strapping amazing tracker in the army Mm -hmm. and he's got lots of friends who will drop everything and follow him into some crazy hunt for the stag Mm -hmm. uh
1: yeah i mean i guess but mm. back to our friends in the barrel i thought it was really interesting that we gave Pekka Rollins screen time. And I think it was especially interesting the juxtaposition of like Pekka and his crew being the quote-unquote adults, even though everyone is aged up um, in the show, but giving the the adults and how they give business versus the quote-unquote kids being the crow gang. It very much more felt like Pekka was the
0: stomping in with brute force, we're going to make this happen, and Kaz was doing all of these behind-the-scenes ways to get ahead.
1: Mm-hmm. All of his little machinations.
0: Yes. Trying to portray the difference between the way the two of them operate, which is good background information, just isn't as
1: explicit in the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's We don't get this history of the Kaz-Pekka relationship and vendetta, um... I mean, there are hints of it. It, It's clear that Jesper knows Kaz's backstory and is not talking about it. And it's clear that Inej has an inkling about what it is or or has an inkling that the vendetta against Pecker Rollins is at least more personal than Kaz lets on. She's definitely questioning it. Um, Side note, unrelated to any
0: actual important thing, I do love the quick glances of them having a drink at the bar. Definite a uh, great part of them being aged up just mm-hmm, a yeah. little way to give them an extra personality. But yes, Jesper knowing the backstory, it's going to be, that's an interesting way to let the, the watcher know that there's more going on without having to show the actual background.
1: Mm-hmm. It's also interesting that they seemed to have removed Pear Haskell and just made Kaz the boss of the crow club. I feel like that is going to be interesting in terms of Kaz's development because a big part of the duology is that he acts like the big boss and he thinks he's the big boss, but he, he like he's not. He doesn't have the full weight of the crows behind him. And that's something he's fighting for and it's a constraint he has to work within. And the fact that he could just hand over what presumably was the deed to the crow club to Tanta Helene. Right seems to um, imply that Pear Haskell does not exist. Which possibly is just to cut down on the scope
0: of the story. Which is fine, except that like Katie said, I do feel like it's part of Kaz's story is that he's trying to get past having to answer to anybody else. He wants to be the boss. And so they just went ahead and they were like, oh hey boss Uh, so and so wants to see you. And now Kaz is the boss.
1: Yeah, and it's weird that they would cut down there and then expand other storylines, like Inej having a brother, which was definitely not a thing in the books. Um, and it seems like some sort of weird shorthand that they're giving her to character development for like what her goal is. Even though I thought her goals in the books were very clear, you know, she wants to find her parents, and she also wants revenge on right. like sl- slave traders and people that sell women into the the menagerie etc
0: I don't think that her backstory needed a brother to make it any more compelling or any more fleshed out
1: yeah but now she's got this um, human MacGuffin that she in the back of her mind is looking for
0: everybody needs their own human MacGuffin apparently (laughs) what are you laughing about I just saw your note I just saw your note Katie oh so you can summon underground (laughs) So one of the things I think that we probably harped this to death in the original trilogy episode that at the beginning of Ruin and Rising, Alina's like, I don't know if I can summon underground. And then in the episode where Bagra gets her out to the tunnels to get away from the Darkling, Alina's like, oh, yes, light. I don't need a lantern. I'm the sun summoner. And Katie's just like, so you can summon underground.
1: Yeah, how are they gonna um bring that back and use that when they're all trapped underground with the apparat and suddenly Alina can't summon?
0: I, I don't know. Um Katie did transcribe it in all capitals too, which really just portrayed the I the wrote it in all capitals moment. in
1: the notebook. I'll find it. Hang <laughs> on. I have it in all cap oh here it is, all caps. I mean, I
0: believed you. I knew you transcribed it correctly. I just that's why I was <laughs> laughing, is that I Yes, uh, we'll see what happens in the Apparat, although I don't want to see him on screen anymore because
1: he was perfectly creepy. He was differently creepy than what I was expecting, though. I was expecting, like, a full Rasputin-y, ratty little, long-bearded, creepy guy.
0: The uh, religious overtones were very strong.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I actually, I think what they're doing with the politics and the apparat is hopefully going to be more interesting in the show, especially with the added political maneuvers of like West Ravka. Although I guess that is now effectively over considering the fold ate them all. Um, Rip. But it did add a much, just like a layer of, of intrigue and nuance to all of the political things happening in Ravka.
0: Yeah. As we've said king of scars and rule of wolves has very good political uh tension and i think starting that earlier only makes it better mhm because the political tension in uh king of scars duology is is very good and i'm all for it again yeah the apparat he was he was so creepy though i mean i'm not going to lie
1: yeah Never gonna not be creepy, because that's just his purpose, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, speaking of creepy,
0: not not exactly creepy, but the Fjerdans, they weren't exactly what I pictured, I guess. The word I used in the original note was they came off as a little more barbaric than I ever pictured them. And I don't know if I was just picturing them as Less barbaric and more like, um, what's his name in Frozen? Kristoff, yes. (laughs) And this is why I was like, Why are they like that? And it's because I'm picturing them all as a Disney character. Maybe that's on me. Um, but I feel like they came in in their furs, like, We're gonna, and then they ran off scene again.
1: Yeah, it's especially interesting juxtaposing that um, image of them when they, like, tried to kidnap Alina. And I'm wondering if maybe that's, like, their camouflage or whatever. And that's, like, they were undercover or something. Because there's this barbaric picture that we see when they try and get Alina. But then there's this repeated um, through line of Fierda's military might and their military prowess and innovation. Like, I guess they invented repeating rifles or at least that seems to be the implication that definitely was the implication that i got and maybe it's colored
0: a little bit by the books but definitely it seems feared is on the forefront of military advancement and they're trying to portray that but then yes these camouflaged guerrilla
1: soldiers run in screaming Mm -hmm. yeah it just doesn't seem to quite line up to my expectations right and they're
0: it worked for the storytelling. I just am not sure where it's gonna go from here. Especially knowing what we already know from reading the rest of the books that if they continue the story where some of the feared and storylines are gonna go. Um and then the other part of the scene where they do come out and attack Alina is later the Darkling gives her a black handkerchief because the Darkling is nothing but on brand at all times. <laughs> And she wipes away this blood. Now, keep in mind, they've been riding the horse long enough for her tailbone to get sore. So she takes a dry black silk handkerchief and wipes the blood off of her face, which is presumably dried, and looks at the handkerchief and it's bright red. And I'm sorry, I can suspend disbelief. And um, there's this fictional world and they have powers, but wiping blood off your face and having it show up on a black silk
1: handkerchief? No,
0: sorry. Yeah.
1: It was so, like, the contrast was up so high, too. Like, it was this bright red blood on black silk. That's really just not how it works, my friends.
0: Right. I was like, just give the Darkling a white handkerchief. He can be off-brand for one
1: second. His handkerchief doesn't (laughs) have to be aesthetic. Mm, Disagree. Everything about the Darkling must be aesthetic. Speaking of the Darkling, we have um, pluses and minuses about our beautiful husband, Ben Barnes. Um I mean, actually, all of the Ben Barnes-related things are pluses. More about the Darkling as a character. (laughs) Um, First big minus is they took all of the power out of the name reveal, Call Me Alexander. It was just a dagger to my heart.
0: And that was something we both loved so much in the books that at the very end, we got this peek to the fact that the Darkling was a real person who wanted to be remembered as a real person and then it's just like yeah oh sure you can call me alexander and then she does throughout the rest of the series and other people knew his name
1: yeah and i kind of can buy into and like the general kirigan thing as him taking bagra's advice to just steal a nobleman's name and hide in plain sight to keep his position of power Sure. I can even also kind of buy the Darkling being just, like, the common folk's nickname for the person with this power, Um, but the Call Me Alexander bit is unforgivable.
0: Yep, did not like that. I don't know how they read the books and thought, oh, we can totally just change this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that hurt me. But on the flip side, we did get Darkling flashbacks, which was very good. Those were very good. Did a really good job to humanize him and show how he very clearly believes in his mission. You know, he is not a mustache twirling evil dude who wants to enslave everybody. He's really trying to protect Grisha and build a world for Grisha. Is he doing it in a real bad way? Yeah. And as I've said to Bailey, He and I are going to have to have this out in couples therapy when we're married. You know, we're going to have to deal with his conflict resolution strategy. But he clearly is coming from a good-ish place.
0: Yes, it's clear that they're showing us that he is not without heart. It's just that things did not go the way that he really wanted them to go. And so that aspect of giving him Humanization is good. I do still wish they'd left the Alexander reveal, but the flashback helped. I also thought it was great to add to the lore of just everything about the Darkling and the Sun Summoner and all of Ravka in general was to give us a glimpse of how it happened.
1: I also feel very vindicated that Volcra are people. Um, that is something that I called. That is something that I was waiting for in the original trilogy that never came to pass. And then Begra um, confirmed it. And I have been vindicated. I was right. Or at least if, if I wasn't originally right in the books, they did change it for the TV show, which I appreciate. Right. And it makes perfect sense to me. Um, and then, oh, speaking of Volcra, the
0: Nijavoya, and the very final scene. Ooh, I actually have rewatched that part now,
1: like three times. It's very creepy. But then Ben Barnes is follow. Oh, we died. <laughs> yeah. I will follow you, Sarah. I will. Yep. Anywhere. Milo. <laughs> Milo is the next thing on our list of really good good additions. Um, and Milo deserves it. Yeah. Milo deserves it.
0: I. He was such a ray of sunshine. I don't even understand. Like, I don't know whose idea it was to put a goat in here as an emotional support animal, but man, it just worked so,
1: so well. Just every scene and shot of the goat from the beginning where we get a picture of Kaz holding a baby goat. Very good. I live for Kaz just carrying this goat around. Like, okay, (laughs) fine. And then the train scene where... um. They're like, "Do we kill the goat?" And he's like, "No, that's for you. It's you know to calm me down." And then it works. And then Jasper kills a bunch of okra.
0: And then Jasper saying goodbye to the goat and leaving him with the barmaid. I think I said out loud, "Like, man, that barmaid's just gonna make him for dinner or something." But,
1: but luckily she didn't because then Milo comes back and saves Mal's ass. Right. So in conclusion, the goat is the seventh crow,
0: the the Chekhov's goat. Love it. <laughs> I do. I just love Milo. Um another really good moment between Kaz and Jesper is uh the never make decisions out of fear, Jesper only spite. Loved that line. Very good thing for Kaz to say since his entire character is built on um hatred, spite, and the need for revenge.
1: hmm Yeah, it's it's Twitter bio material, to be honest, but I already like my Twitter bio too much to change it. Or else Fair. I would have.
0: Isn't it a Taylor Swift quote?
1: Yeah, I'm fine with my spite and my tears and my beers and my candles. Okay, so to be fair, her Twitter bio is still about spite. (laughs) (laughs) So very on
0: brand. Do I need to get you a black handkerchief next? (laughs) Only if I can bleed unnaturally red blood onto it. I have minor minor embroidery skills. I'll get to
1: work. Okay, bless. (laughs) Um. Okay, uh, so I think we've gone over most of what we really liked and a lot of what we didn't like. There is um, a, a big racism-shaped elephant in the room that I feel like we should touch on at least a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> racism is bad. Yeah. There's no two ways about that.
0: And to create tension using racism and slurs is bad. Particularly when that racism was created only for the show, and Alina was perfectly otherized in the books, without using those slurs, it's a bad look.
1: Yeah, I didn't like it. I don't. I don't like anyone who thinks. I don't like that someone thought. Oh, what a good opportunity to create a slur to create narrative tension. You know that's. Not a direction I would have gone in. But, you know, once again, we're two white ladies talking about this. There are plenty of people with more nuanced and interesting perspectives. We just want to be on the record as saying racism is bad and we don't like the way that this was handled. Especially when I feel like in the books, there was plenty of racial tension and there was plenty of conflict between different nations that... Was rooted in them being different nations, but it was not rooted in racism. You know, it wasn't like calling other uh, the other ones inferior. It was just you know having different viewpoints. And I think that they did a good job of making the Fiordens and the Shuhan and the Ravkins all have like distinct cultural identities that didn't necessarily get along with one another without having any sort of like superiority element. That is what I I really don't like that they felt the need to add. It doesn't work. There's no reason for it. And
0: there's just, it's not good. And as Katie said, there are many other people who have own voices takes, and I don't want to speak over anyone who has lived experiences about that. Um, Mm -hmm. So... The racism-shaped elephant is still here, but mm-hmm.
1: racism bad is um, the gist. Which again, you didn't—you didn't need us to tell you, but we also believe that.
0: Oh, um, not—not not as bad as racism, obviously, but still bad. The deer antlers poking out of Alina's ah! neck—horrific.
1: It, it, ugh. unsettling. Um, yeah, very unsettling. I, I kind so I like it as a metaphor for just truly how invasive what the darkling was doing is. Very effective as um as a story device. I hate them. I never want to look at them again. It was it unsettled me to my core. It had the intended effect on us
0: um when they when they settled in that was much better when alina took back her power great it also came hot on the heels of a couple of mouths wounds that we got close-ups of so yay for the makeup team that was awesome they did Um, a very good
1: job maybe perhaps too good a job not yay for my aversion to looking at (laughs) wounds
0: (laughs) so Um. again intended effect achieved go you guys (laughs) because the collar was awful and i don't think that we got a lot of other glimpses at amplifiers that prepared us for the concept of them being um integrated into the body of the grisha using it though um it was very Actually, the piece of the bone in the Darkling's hand was more unsettling because it kind of looked like an infected wound.
1: I did like that they then were able to use that for her to, like, poke it out of his hand. And that's how she got control of herself back. That was very good. I Again, I did not like to look at it at all. And I'm not I'm not usually very squeamish, but man, those two, those did it for me. Those Something not, about them set me off. Yeah i'm like getting chills right now remembering it i think i had to scroll down to
0: the bottom of our notes to see it because we both managed to block it from our minds and just not want to think about it anymore yeah, i had
1: i had forgotten it until you just brought it up again and now i'm gonna not be able to sleep i mean it, it'll be fine But so
0: sorry go watch go look at pictures of milo
1: <laughs> you're right you're right milo to the rescue
0: <laughs> as usual
1: Oh, just another like completely random tangent. Bailey, would you like to talk about the phosphorus? I know you feel strongly no, about it. I saw that and I was ignoring it so I didn't have to get heated about it. So oh,
0: no. um, I did like the aspect of this where they play out the heist as Kaz narrates the steps of the heist. They do this both for getting the plans for the little palace and while trying to get Alina from inside the little palace. Liked that. Had a slight problem after Kaz does this cool drop a phosphorus disc, use the tip of his cane to slide it underneath. Very cool. Um, Then they play Inej going through, following the phosphorus footsteps, totally on board. She gets to the drawer and the drawer has phosphorus fingerprints. When did this man touch it? (laughs) Um, And I, I get it. It's so that we can easily highlight the drawer that Inej is supposed to open right away, blah, blah, blah. But he didn't touch anything to transfer that, and it would have been fine if Inej had to open up three drawers that he stopped in front of instead of one. I I don't know. Just, again, like the handkerchief, I just, that little detail took me out of it for a little bit, and I'm probably being too nitpicky. I should just enjoy things, but that's not my personality. <laughs> I have a podcast about, you know, enjoying things and not other <laughs> things, so.
1: I also, I mean, this is a very good instance of being nitpicky because it, it would have been so easy for them to just not have phosphorus fingerprints. And like you said, right. maybe she just opens three drawers instead of one. Maybe she just gets lucky and opens the right one. Yeah. It I, um mm. but anyway, yeah, it was fine. just a a, a little, little thing.
0: I'd completely forgotten about that too, because it did make <laughs> me very bad after that episode. I was like, no, there there was no reason for this. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, speaking of narration, how did you feel about Mal and Alina narrating letters to each other as a narrator voice?
1: So, um, I didn't like it, and I also have an issue with the inconsistency between, like, Alina just, like, narrates the opening of the pilot episode for no reason, and then that's pretty much dropped, and then they have this, like, ongoing when it's convenient letter narration. Like, if you're going to use narration as a tool, just commit to something. Like, just commit to Alina giving voiceovers once an episode. Or maybe don't do that at the very beginning and then commit to the letter thing. Or, you know, I didn't like either of them. I'm not a huge fan of narration generally. I feel like it has to be done specifically um, and in an interesting and compelling way. And I don't think that either of the choices that they used lived up to that Um, but I'm especially not a fan of just throwing a bunch of narration at the wall and seeing what sticks but then also just using all of it
0: yeah and I I think the letters contributed to my feeling that they were just really shoving our faces in Mal and Alina's love for each other that was not there in the first book Shadow and Bone the first book did not have this underlining thread of them acknowledging how much they needed each other. Like, did they spend time wishing each other was there? Yes, but it wasn't in the same spelled out way.
1: Yeah, it's like, they really had to go hard in the paint to make us believe that Mal and Alina are soulmates, endgame, whatever. But they'd also already done a lot of the work by just changing Mal and Alina as characters into more interesting and compelling characters who clearly had a connection. So I feel like they didn't have to then continue jumping through all these extra hoops. And I just really feel like they they were just really... Brain brain, brain stop work. Um, uh, they were just really committed to making us believe that... it Make us believe in this relationship. Which I feel like they just did too much with.
0: Right. And maybe it's because we've read the books that we were like, wow, this is really too much. But I still think it was heavy handed um, Mm -hmm. and I still don't love it. And it will be interesting to see, assuming we get the second season, uh, where they go from there with how involved Mal and Alina are based on the coming uh,
1: storyline. It's also interesting because, again, they committed so hard to this storyline of them being soulmates or whatever. But then they kept in the line where Mal goes, "I'm sorry, it took me this long to see you, to Alina." But yes. like, you've you've clearly been in love with her the whole time. Like, I, this isn't like the books where you like suddenly realized what you were missing once she was gone. Like, they've they were in love the whole time. At least with the books, I could see where the I'm
0: sorry, it took so long for me to see you line came from because he clearly didn't pay attention to her until that time. Mm -hmm. But in in the show, that's not from the moment it starts. They are together, basically, even if they still aren't together together. It's obvious there's something going on. And then he still says that line. And I'm like, "Mm, I mm, no.
1: Yeah, it just again, it just feels like they overcommitted to this storyline and they they could have just done less.
0: <laughs> it's rare that we tell people to do less. well, yeah. I feel like we we say that a fair amount, but we also it's either like you need to do more or you need to do less. Like just But I again, you know, a lot all of these the-
1: complaints are, I think, pretty small, um, in the grand scheme of things. I again, I'm just very impressed with this adaptation. Yeah. Everything
0: except the racism is very like, oh, we enjoyed it. Did we wish this was slightly different? Yes. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I would say good adaptation. I mean, I, as Katie said on the front end of this, we've been hurt by adaptations before. (laughs) We have high hopes all the time. And this is one of the few that I feel actually hit my expectations of a good adaptation for a book that I have put a lot of time and effort into thinking about.
1: Yeah. At least three podcast episodes worth of effort. And countless memes. So many memes. Oh my gosh. My favorite thing is the the meme where they take screenshots of the characters like they're on a reality TV show. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. I saw one earlier. It was about Nikolai. Let me see
0: if I can find it. Please. It was on Tumblr. Of course best place um nikolai sure when i was younger i made mistakes zoya and now nikolai i just make far bigger more serious ones <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my love my sweet prince or sweet boy hmm. anyway um do you have some closing thoughts bailey
0: Uh, no, I just, again, I'm probably, I have rewatched some episodes here and there, like my favorite episodes, mostly as a motivation to make myself do things like put away laundry. (laughs) And I will continue to do that. I think it's great. I'll probably sit down and watch it from start to finish again here in a little bit and hope that we get a season two announcement.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, pretty much the same. I mean, as we've said, it was a great ap- adaptation. Most of the changes I liked, or at least could see where they were coming from. And uh, I, I'm excited to see what we could get out of a season two. And I just need more Kaz Brecker. And Jesper. And Milo. And Wylan. And we need Wylan and Nikolai. And then we can possibly die happy. We've got Kaz and Jesper and Wylan and Nikolai. I think we're good. Yeah cool um well thanks to everyone who participated in our giveaway i think that those books should be being delivered right around now at the time of recording or or sometime soon i sent them a few days ago so we really appreciate everyone for participating yeah thank you guys so much
0: next week we will be uh talking about tiktok even more than
1: usual (laughs) i know it's hard to believe so uh join us then yeah, uh, and in the meantime, just remember that we are right. And we should say it. Pour yourself a glass of wine. Let's start
0: reading in between the lines. Never know what we might find. Yeah, it could be magic. Oh. Prose oh, oh. Tinted Glasses oh, is hosted by Katie Phillips and me, oh, Bailey Utrecht. Our logo is Rose-tinted. by Baby Truth Collections. And our theme is by the amazing Anna Voss. Join us in two weeks as we talk about how TikTok is just the new Tumblr. It will be quite a history lesson. See you then.